Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode 134 of Good Humans Podcast. This is going to be the last episode for 2023, and I cannot thank you all enough for tuning into this podcast. It's been such a special year for me. I've had so many incredible conversations with experts in every different field you can think of, social media stars to neuroscientists to just stories that you will not believe. And It is all thanks to you guys. Everyone who's tuned into this podcast throughout the year, I cannot thank you all enough. It's been such a special journey for me, and yeah, I cannot wait to continue bringing you guest episodes into 2024. If you can do me a huge favor, go and hit that like or subscribe button if you haven't already, or most importantly, do me a little Christmas gift. Give us five stars and leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can review each episode. It means the world to me, and yeah, it does a lot for the podcast going into next year. Also, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Drinker Repper. These guys have sponsored the podcast all year, and I cannot thank them enough. My brain feels so good using their product, and I know so many of yours do too. If you haven't learned about the product before, it's a brain drink. Uh, they have a few other different products where they have these amazing, amazing formula of a New Zealand black currant berry, L-theanine, and also a pine bark extract, all developed by neuroscientists, worked super hard to make sure this stuff works. And yeah, I love it every single day. So head over to their website, drinkarepper.com, use the code goodhuman and you get a big 25% off over there. Big thanks to them. Also, a big thank you to everyone who has grabbed some merch already, but the new merch is still uh, plenty left. We've got a big range of stock and we've got so many new shirts. So if you want to check out what we're doing here at the Good Human Factory with my mental health workshops, with the merch and everything else, head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com. You can look at the whole range. There's a bunch of really cool new designs. We've got nine new designs. Um, on all of the shirts, a whole bunch of new colors, a a really wide range of sizes now as well. So head over, go support the podcast, use the code podcast and you get a big 25% off all of the merch. I love seeing all of you legends who listen to the podcast, grabbing some merch too, spreading around your community because that's what the Good Human Factory is all about. As much as I'm hosting this podcast, it's about you guys getting out there, learning from the podcast, sharing it with the people in your life and yeah, hopefully the merch can help spread some of those positive messages as well. So go use that code podcast and you can learn all about the workshops over on the website as well. All right, today's episode, Eric Tomlinson. This guy has been a friend of mine for a very long time. I met Eric when I was about 15 or 16 years old over in America um, in the surf industry. He's a couple years older than me and a few of my mates from surfing in Australia uh, were good friends with Eric over there. And then, yeah, we became friends for such a long time. But I love getting to know his story because we're good mates, I'd say, but I definitely didn't know the ins and outs of his journey. I kind of just knew who he worked for. And yeah, that was about it. But we were definitely um, mates along the journey. So getting to go deep into yeah each stage along his journey, I really love getting to know Eric's story in the way that 
he knew he kind of wasn't going to quite get to where he wanted to in surfing, but then he created a career in the surf industry, working for the top brands, working with all of his friends, working with top athletes, and creating a path where he got to live a free and happy life. He's now Chris Lake's tour manager, which is why we caught up recently, as we had Chris Lake on the podcast last week. Um, he's also working for this incredible brand called Juneshine, which is an alcoholic kombucha. But just the journey along the way, the ups and downs, and how he's navigated to yeah, living a life full of purpose and really yeah, doing some stuff that he loves is really, really cool. So let's jump into the chat. If you do enjoy it, make sure you tag both me and Eric on your Instagram. I've got um, his name and Instagram in the show notes, so go check that out. But yeah, this is a great episode to learn some things if you want to build on your career, if you want to get into marketing, if you want to just live a life by design and get to do some really fun stuff, you're going to love this episode. So let's jump into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Eric Tomlinson. How you going, bro? Good. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat. Man, it's uh, it's nice to catch up. You don't get over to Australia too much. We've been friends for a really long time and it's nice when you've had friends from like one industry and then you kind of mold into a whole new life. Like there's not many people in the surf industry that are still mates with me that I kind of get to run into a bit, but you're one of the ones that seems to still be there that kind of has morphed into this new world that we're living in. Yeah, it's kind of all just gone from one thing to the next naturally. It was just like a weird thing that went from surfing to this and music and the overlap and like family and friends and it's such a cool thing to like yeah I mean I used to spend far more time in Australia and absolutely love the Goldie and a lot of parts of Australia so it's nice to have a few days to be here and hang out and catch up and see everyone and get to chat and do this it's really fun yeah I'm I'm excited to have this chat because we've been friends probably I reckon I reckon since like the first time I went to California to like surf when I was sponsored by Hurley yeah and you would have been working for Surfline then I think. Uh, I might have been Globe then, or maybe it was Surfline. Was it Surfline before Globe? No, it was Globe and then Surfline and then back to Globe. Okay. Yeah, so it was so maybe a it was bit Globe just first time. But yeah, yeah, so when I was like 16, sponsored by Hurley, I'd go over to America for the US Open of surfing and you were already friends with like Cruzy and Jack Freestone and yeah. a few of the older guys from Australian surfing. And then, yeah, we became mates. And well, that's yeah, 13, 14 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's crazy <laughs> how fast time goes. I know. We, how I, many different things happen in that time frame. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think that was probably about that long ago when you'd come over for that stuff. And yeah, just got to know those guys. And I feel like every time somebody would come over that was good or somebody that they felt like they'd be like, oh, yeah, come over. And like I'd get introduced to people. And then, yeah, friendships kind of blossom. And then you were living with friends over there and staying with people that like I knew and the overlap was there. And just but yeah, it's crazy. It's been that long now. Um, and I love that it went from that. And now right now we're sitting at my sister and Fisher's house in Palm Beach because you're over here and you're the tour manager of Chris Lake who was would have been previously come out on this podcast yeah. one of the best musicians in the world and yeah he went from the surf industry to now doing that full time as well as marketing with um June Shine an amazing yeah. kombucha brand or alcohol hard kombucha yeah, yeah a little bit of both America. yeah started as hard kombucha and then now canned cocktails and a little bit of everything but yeah yeah I just again it's it's I've been super lucky to be around people that are always doing cool and creative things and mm that's just friendships that have blossomed. I mean, anything from like you doing this to yeah, fish going into the music world and really going heads headstrong into that from like surfing and everything else or all those different things or Brett, his manager or anyone like that, that I've just been friends with that naturally have like gone in different paths and somehow I've been there and, and been an opportunity to be able to learn and like get into different industries and things that like, I mean, again, I think for me, surfing is probably one of the biggest things that's opened so many doors. It's just an aspirational sport that people mm. look at it from around the world and go like, oh, that's cool. And then being a part of that in, in my own way um, just opened a lot of doors. And I met a lot of people and friends like yourself and just getting to do things that are really fun and like I'm passionate about. And I'm like, oh, that's 
sweet to be able to do something and learn and do even starting like you know very low on like the totem pole of like what you're doing in a space but being able to do that and it's still something fun and that you enjoy and trying to learn and just keep building in like those industries has been something that like i truly enjoy instead of just being like cool i was a marketing director i should always just keep going higher it's like here's a whole new industry that i can try and like cut my teeth in and try and see if like i fit do i work and i've been able to find a couple opportunities and chris has given me so many opportunities in the team so it's like yeah, it's super fun. It's, it's so, really that's, cool. That's why I'm excited because we're going to kind of move our way chronologic through, chronologically through your life because I know there's going to be some moments in there where, yeah, you're kind of probably thrown into the deep end. Like, I don't know what I'm doing working for an alcohol company, but I used to be in the marketing <laughs> of a shoe company, so maybe I can use some ideas. And I guess marketing all comes under a pretty similar umbrella and it really comes back to network and relationships. And that's what yeah. I can see you do so well. You have such a great way to just communicate with people and make things happen and logistics and the crossovers from what you probably learned in the surf industry now have so many similarities across to what you do now. I actually find that as well with what I do now with my keynote speaking and stuff. The best thing that I've learned is how to like organize yourself for travel really well because of surfing. I always booked everything myself. I see friends go on like holidays that are like using like flight center or like using like a booking thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, because of like, my history like I've never missed a flight in my life I've never booked the wrong one with um a thing with my work now so it's like when you can cross something over from one industry it's so helpful yeah it's it's a huge thing and traveling is it's just again it's another passion that I've always been lucky to find work related to it mm. and like the two go hand in hand but again yeah administratively like the things that we were doing when I was working at Globe and in the surf industry and trying to work through you know five, six, eight, nine, ten people, getting them from all over the world to be in one place at one time to get waves and get this swell and be able to like film and shoot a video project or a photo shoot or whatever it was. Like you learn how to book travel and you learn how to work through the logistics because you have to. Like you said, it was like, I didn't know, like, yeah, I knew how to book my travel or like me and a friend or whatever we were doing or going on a trip or like, you know, that kind of stuff. But you learn through trial and error and like mm. i think that i personally am one of those people that like yeah, you get thrown in the deep end you kind of just figure it out and, and learn how to swim out. yeah and that's the same thing with music you know so that's um what, do you feel like because of that like it's actually kind of easy with chris because you just got one guy to look i mean not yeah easy. it's it's i mean there's so many different complications and things that come into that because there's just like you know at a show day or what's going on there's so many things happening yeah. in that time frame but as far as logistics and travel and like because chris and i've been working together for five years now and like He's very particular about his travel because he did it all himself for so long. And to the same point as like what we're discussing, he did it himself, but he was going to like, cool, I've been to Austin, Texas X number of times. And I know the routing that I should be able to get there from LA from this or like, why are we staying here? Things like that that you learn over the years were things that I had to learn and educate myself on and his preferences and things on mm. how he wants to travel. And it was great. But like because of my background and again administrative logistics and things like that for travel i was like oh i totally get it like yeah. everyone has their preferences in the way they do it and then there's always the like points game too you know years ago it's like oh can we get upgrades using points here can we fly this airline can we get status all that's just like there's it's so a many game things that people don't know about but we're gonna now catch back up though we kind of gave people like a bit of a brief throw around a couple things that you do but i want to like i do with all my podcasts kind of go through chronologically i love getting to know how you found yourself in the position you are today and the kind of things that have got you there as well because we've only known each other since what you would have been probably 20 when I met you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything 21. before that. So let's um let's go back to the start, but first I love to ask this question to everyone and that's what are you grateful for in life right now? I'm super grateful for a lot of things, but I think, you know, 
in particular, I'm super grateful for the people that I've been lucky to be around and the opportunities that that's given me in life. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Like, again, talking about work and all those things, but it's really just been that I'm grateful to be lucky enough to be around these people that go in these different paths and these creative outlets and things that allows me to um, be a part of those different worlds. And that's what I'm super grateful, you know, sitting here in Australia, having a couple of days off, like getting, getting paid to be here and be a part of this is just something that like I never thought would happen. And that goes back to a lot of the other things and the different stuff I'm doing. But again, it has to do with the people that I'm around and them seeing me as somebody they want to actually give these opportunities to. So that's what I'm definitely super grateful for. Yeah, I love that. So let's work out how you got there. Let's rewind back to the start. It's great. We had um, we went and had a coffee and went to Riggs Recovery. Shout out Riggs. We yeah, had, had, had an ice bath and cryo <laughs> this morning. And one of the things you told me this morning when we we're having a coffee because we we're at a little French patisserie is that your the first language you learned how to speak was Spanish. So let's let's <laughs> yeah. make that the start point. Remind me back to the start. What was life like as a kid up until yeah you were ten years old? Yeah, I mean I grew up in Orange County. I grew up in a small little town called Surfside. That's like this small little beach town in California, and, USA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Southern <laughs> California. Um, it was just a, it was a really good opportunity to grow. I, I was again, very lucky and fortunate. And my parents were both working full time and they were just like very headstrong in what they were doing. My dad was starting his business. My mom was getting into it. And like, as the internet was kind of like really popping off, she was learning how to build web pages and do all this stuff. Sweet. So she was working full time. Um, and so I had a live in babysitter that stayed with us a few days a week when my parents were at work and they consciously wanted me to learn Spanish because Spanish was becoming more and more of like a, um, a, a main language in Southern LA, California, Southern yeah. California, you know, California in general, lots of places in the U S but Mexico, specifically there, right Mexico is the borders there and you can drive across the border from our house and like three hours basically so um yeah she didn't speak any english my mom speaks decent enough spanish was actually studying spanish at the same time as she was working in like it and stuff dad kind of unfortunately had to just figure it out a bit um but what i heard primarily between my mom and then the live-in babysitter was spanish that was the first language that i kind of picked up for a few years uh, until i was about five-ish and then became best friends with the kid who lived across the street from me and he didn't speak any spanish and i like had to like figure it out and was kind of like devo that I couldn't like have a real conversation with him. And that's when they said I kind of just started like switching over to English. Like I knew English, but I just didn't really speak it that much because I didn't hear it. Um, just as like anyone else who's born in a different country or in a home that speaks a different language, you speak mm. that when you're at home. So my dad was kind of the odd man out when it came to the language barrier. And then he kind of learned enough to get through it. And then I went the other way after a couple of years. So um, yeah, grew up doing that. And then Still speak it a bit, but definitely not to the extent I used to. I wish I held on to it, but I just don't have those same kind of situations. But if we're traveling, if I'm, you know, if we're doing shows in South America or somewhere with like Spanish speaking countries, I start to pick it up a bit more mm. in doing that. I just, um, I wish I spoke it more at home and, and got to speak to people about it. When I was younger and working in restaurants and stuff, I would actually speak it more frequently just because a lot of the staff was mm. from Mexico or Spanish speakers. And so I'd get the opportunity to speak it and they'd find out I speak Spanish and they were like, we're not speaking English to you anymore. Like this is no, you, we're speaking Spanish and you got to figure it out. And I was like, all right. But it was a great challenge and th something that I'm fortunate for again, like just being super lucky to do that stuff. But um, I love that. I love when I like talk to someone who's a good friend of mine. Like when you told me that this morning, I'm like, I fucking love when you find out something that you <laughs> would not expect. I was like, Wow, that's so cool. We just haven't been in a situation where it's been necessary, right? What? Like if we were like in a trip to Mexico, yeah. then you'd be like, wait, you speak Spanish? Yeah, but it yeah. just like naturally came up as we were speaking about languages at the cafe. So yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. Tell me about um schooling. Let's go let's go up to high school. Okay. Let's talk about your high school sort of life. When you're yeah. what was high school like for you? Did you have 
bunch of friends. Were you super sporty? What did um yeah? What was high school like for you? Academic, single. I mean, not single. Um, only child. Yeah, I was an yeah, only so. only child, so no siblings. But my parents always had like a very open door policy for friends, yeah, like people, and like that. yeah, like and I think everyone who's stayed with us over the years and stuff has seen that. And and you know my. Both my mom and dad both have siblings and I wasn't. And I think that they were very conscious of that. So I always wanted to have that open door policy. But um, I went to Los Alamitos High School at first and then switched to Huntington. So I transferred from my between my sophomore and junior year, which would be between year um, 10 and 11. I so to finish my last like, end. yeah, like my last two years of high school. And it was back to surfing. It was I was spending more time with people surfing. I was traveling with them. I was doing some of the pro juniors and just like you know, whatever I could kind of do at the time and learning. And I just loved the sport and the industry. And so the people I was spending time with mainly all went to Huntington Beach High School instead of Los Alamitos. And so I wanted to transfer. Um, my parents weren't really on board with the idea. They felt that Los Alamitos was a better school on paper. A lot of the kids there go to like Ivy League colleges and things like that. So that was why they wanted me there. But I was pretty headstrong and like, I'm going to go to Huntington. And my so, parents were like, sweet, then you need to do all the paperwork. You need to do everything. Wow. We'll sign off on it. Yes. But um, yeah, so I transferred schools. Surfing was just always kind of a major focus. Not as much like traditional sports. Um, I did track and field for a while just because, uh, yeah, it was a passion. And then it's as you get higher into those, especially the schools that really push out Ivy League, like athletes and stuff. I just realized like, hey, like I'm, yeah, I'm a good runner, but I'm nowhere as good yeah. as like these people that are going to go on to have professional sports and that. And um, so, yeah, I transferred to Huntington and just pursued surfing, went snowboarding a lot when I could drive. Like we had a little place up in Big Bear that like me and my friends would drive up to at least twice a week if we could like wow. we were up there quite a bit um and it was a lot of freedom you know when you're 17 18 years old and it's like oh yeah. sweet we can find big bear like two hours yeah big bear is like it's san bernardino national forest trips. so it's yeah. like it's about two hours give or take traffic wow. and so we would do like yeah like on a friday night we'd all hang out and then be like cool traffic's done get in the car at 8 p.m drive up there and spend the night or two and then come back and sweet. be back home and like um yeah so did that did skateboarding but as i got older got hurt a lot skating is like again same thing would be around people like that were going into this level of like being professional athletes and i was like if i try and keep up i end up getting hurt doing mm -hmm. that in particular so i was like i need to just pull back on that a bit um so yeah did huntington beach high school graduated in 2008 what did um, you think when you were getting towards the end of high school the future was going to look like obviously america is a lot different college is like almost 90% of people basically yeah. are going to end up in college. Australia's a bit different with university. I feel like it'd be like maybe 40 to 50%. So it's a lot different. It's almost like you're guaranteed to go to college. So am I right? Did you? Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. I went to college, but it was um, a bit forced, I guess you could say. Like, just go. like you're saying, like it was a thing that needed to be done. And my mom is a person who loves higher education she finds a passion that she loves and she'll like go back to school for it so spanish or hey the internet's blooming i need to go learn more about this like wow. she'll go and do that and often it's not even a profession thing it's just something that she's passionate about and she loves it and so it was you know something that she pushed very hard my dad on the other hand dropped out of high school at 16 started working full-time like for himself like well not at first but built a company up did all these things um what industry does he dad what like business? he did trucking distribution and warehousing yeah. so he had like you know a big warehouse full of things and then would handle all the logistics and distribution, yeah. getting things from A to B yeah. um, and started that with a business partner, went bankrupt in his first business and then started another one. And then another, the second one ended up being pretty successful. And he sold that down the line as I got older. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like contradicting because I didn't want to go. I was like, Hey, like I don't have a passion for this. Like this isn't where I like my head's at. This isn't yeah. where I enjoy. But my mom was very headstrong and like, Hey, this is like one of those boxes you have to check to get to where you need to go. And I'm thankful that she did, but um, 
again, from there, I went to Long Beach State, which was like from where my parents lived, a 10 minute drive. And they also were like, I was doing whatever I could. I was working at a restaurant. I was working at a surf shop. I was kind of doing whatever, like getting tiny little sponsorship deals here and there that would get me to like, oh, cool. We could go on this trip for here's a couple hundred bucks to go on that thing mm-hmm. and that and doing whatever I could to kind of keep that going and make ends meet. And um, they were like, hey, like, sweet. Hey, you can move out. We're not covering that cost because for a lot of kids, they go to university, go to college. And they have to move out of state and parents have to cover the cost because kids mm. just don't have the income stream. Yeah. My parents are like, you're going to school 10 minutes down the road. There's no reason that you need to live out of home unless you want to. And mm. if you want to, more power to you, but you need to pay for it. So I was like, okay, like that makes sense. So I stayed at home for quite a while. Um, oh, you lived on the page. Yeah, the I, like, it's, well, I was, yeah. it was really difficult to say no to, like yeah. not paying rent and or any of that. Great, yeah. yeah, my parents are amazing and so welcoming. And like, I think that's kind of, that same time frame that I met you and I feel very the a lot same of my other come friends. state of mind. It's like yeah. when you've, I feel so privileged and I'm sure you do too, yeah. that people obviously don't have that opportunity in that loving family, a lot of people. But if you do, like, power to you. I was there till I was 25. <laughs> yeah, I think I was, yeah, I think I was 26 by the time yeah. I finally moved out. But it was yeah. like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's such like a, it's a weird thing because some people look at it negatively. You know, when you're that age, you're kind of like, oh, like, oh, should I have my own place? You like you're, you're dating and you don't want like, you don't want someone to think poorly of you because you live at home. But then at the same time, it's like, I think like, one of the things that I learned actually was as I went into my career and funny enough, Dion actually told me when I worked at Globe, he was like, hey, like, and we were just having a chat like over beers when we were somewhere at a trip. And he was like, oh, like, so things are going well. And I'm like, yeah, I got a raise recently. He's like, told me this thing that he did. And I started doing it, which was that I automatically took a withdrawal from my like checking account into a savings account. And he was like, hey, like, if you can live off the money you're making right now, when you get a new pay increase or something like that, you should still be able to, at least for a period of time, live off that same money. So put it into a savings account as much as you can. And he's like, if not, I've seen that you're kind of like I am, where you want to buy drinks for friends, you want to take care of people, you'll start spending more because you have more and you do it. And I was like, it really kind of sat with me. And I was like, wow. And so I went home and did that. And at the time it was like, you know, whatever, cool. I, I can put a few bucks into this. And then as I got up in my career a little bit, I kept trying to grow that even to like Leave it the same. recently, right. I even like just kept like definitely not living it the same. Like at some point yeah. you have to spend more, you live more, you need yeah, more yeah. space, you just things grow, but still trying to always like put money aside to be like, hey, down the road, I'm going to need this. And when I was living at home, I didn't have a lot of expenses. Like my mm-hmm. phone bill was covered by work. All these things kind of came together. I was like, I was trying to put as much away as I could, knowing that down the road, I was going to like hopefully be able to buy a home and that currently in Southern California is a crazy venture to try and <laughs> do if you want to be anywhere near a coastline. It's, yeah. it's not so, um, but yeah, so yeah, that's a lesson to learn from day on. So, so you go to college. So I went to college Did and then I majored in marketing, uh, sorry, communications with a minor in marketing. Actually, I went into it with business. Um, but it was very heavy, like math for business to get that degree. And it just didn't quite work. I was like, this mm-hmm. is not where I want to go. Communications was pretty open-ended. And I always knew marketing was kind of a thing. Um, And that was about the time, you know, I just realized like, hey, like I love the surf industry. I want to work in the surf industry. I love the lifestyle that a lot of my close friends are living, but I know that I'm not the athlete that could be able to do that. So how can I get there? Um, And that was kind of when I started putting feelers out about like, hey, is there any like marketing roles? Is there anything I can do? Like just low level. Um, And that's kind of funny enough. I took a course and one of my classes was like part of the, was to write like a, I think you guys call it like a, no, like it's a resume for us, but like a CV, right? Is that what you guys call it? Yeah. So basically writing that and like, they were like, yeah. And then you had to apply to a job. Like you didn't have to, it was just like, Hey, write it and apply and see what happens. 
at the time, one of the jobs that was open was the surf marketing manager at Globe. And then when I was young, I had like a flow thing and like Globe helped me out a lot and like did stuff over the years and knew some of the crew there. Um, and when I applied, I actually got an interview and I sat down for the interview when it was like, it would have been my like senior year of, of college, of university. It was like my fourth year. Um, and when did the first interview, got on really well with the girl that was running the marketing director at the time. And she asked me to come back the next day. And then the next day I met with Joe G who makes a lot of the Globe Surf films, who's made, you know, tons of iconic films over the years. Um, and we just got on amazing. Like my background and like just knowing people Stuff and things, yeah, yeah. like just things and like the questions he was asking me, like, we're just so natural and we ended up sitting in this room for like four hours he was leaving for iceland the next day to film um strange rumbling in shanker law and he was like man i really wish you were already up and running i'd love to have you on the trip with us i feel like it'd just be so helpful for everything and that then turned into a full-time role while i hadn't quite finished university yet like wow. i was still in college Did you go on that trip the next day i didn't go on the iceland <laughs> trip but i got yeah I, I got brought in and my first day thrasher was there to meet with the skate guys and they were like hey do you want to come to the laker game we got a box so i went to the box with the with thrasher guys i was told to book a flight to hawaii for surfer pole awards because they had been nominated for the film the year before and they didn't know if they were going to win but they're like hey you should come out for this and like be part of the team for globe and people can start to connect the dots and be mm -hmm. like oh you're not just you can make the surfers that you're going to be managing yeah like yeah like a few people that i didn't yeah. quite know or people that i'd met and then again just for the industry and all the people that i had met being like oh you're now at globe yeah, like you're here's like yeah globe, like, and it's like just like surfing and yeah right? yeah just roll this. exactly yeah. so that was like my first day as i like booking a flight to hawaii and then going to the lake well not all of it but you know and I was like, wow, this this job doesn't seem so shit. <laughs> like, this is pretty cool. Like, this is great. And then turns out, you know, um, we ended up doing so much amazing stuff there. And and I learned so much from the hills and, and in particular Joji when I was there and like got to do a ton at Globe. It's just like the originally as the marketing surf marketing person to kind of just be there administratively and help with everything. And then that um, over the years kind of grew and grew. So like I was still trying to finish school, but they didn't have online schooling at the time. And so we started making, making a surf film. We're making short films. I've got trade shows. I've got sales meetings, all the travel things that come along with it, especially at that stage of where the surf industry was. And it was so difficult, but um, I wouldn't take it back for the world. Like I learned so much, you know, Joe became like a mentor in a lot of ways to the industry and everything I got to mm. like, but we did the first trip I went on um, outside of the Hawaii thing was we went to Brazil and we filmed for the Strange Rumblings in Shangri-La and it was like CJ and Damien Hobgood. It was Brendan Gibbons. It was like it was just such like a cool roster of people. And, and Joe had tried to cultivate this like thing within Globe that was like it's a staple company, especially in Australia and the mm -hmm. US. It has had its up and downs when it's been like super popular or it's been like a little bit smaller. And he's always looked to the surf industry and a surf company as a way to keep things really relatable and cool and core for that brand yeah um and so i was fortunate enough to be a part of all that stuff at that stage and that was like yeah about four years i was there with them doing that wow. um yeah that's we what did when i met you yep you said fling me some shoes yeah 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 keep everyone keep everyone <laughs> laced up that was i mean that was part of it i was running the surf team and it was kind of administratively at first and then as it grew it was like hey like take it on here hey now take on like the whole global team and like really help oversee like all the athletes and negotiating the contracts and doing that stuff um as well as like 
it was basically, it got to the point where it was anything surf encompassing. So whether we're making a film, rolling it out, a new collection, a collection with Dion or any of the other athletes, a new shoe, anything that was surf related basically came through me to like help logistically get it together, come up with marketing plans, how to roll it out. Um, and that kind of opened the door to Surfline. Like Surfline had been a part of my life since I was very young, but we did a rollout for um, one of Dion's collections and I worked diligently to put together like this rollout plan that kind of took over all of the major surf media sites at the same time. And no one had quite done that in that scope, like all like click throughs and all this, but then having editorial that backed it. So it wasn't just like, hey, here's a new collection. And it was like, hey, there's editorial stories that related hopefully to at the time the stab audience that was a little bit younger and more like Australian driven. And then you had the Surfline audience that was very broad, but can be a bit older and a little bit more like traditional. And then we had um, Surfer Mag and surfing and like there was all these different outlets. And then, um, yeah, the crew at Surfline reached out and we're just like, hey, we'd love to sit down and chat about this role we have at the company based off of specifically that. They're like, hey, we saw how this one went for you and how it went for the company. Um, and that kind of opened the door into the next stage, which was Surfline. Um, how does that there. leave in a great job with Globe? It was so went back there. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I did. I did end up going back. So, um, yeah, yeah they through that decision. Yeah, it was really tough. Um, again, like it was my first opportunity in the industry to really kind of build a name for myself outside of just myself, right? Like it was to be a part of something and like show that I'm can build something and have understanding of marketing and how to launch things and how mm -hmm. to like make things hopefully successful. And at Globe, we like we did. Strange on Leagues was probably one of the largest things we did. And it was a three year project of working on this surf film and then releasing it. And we put together a movie premiere during the US Open and took over airplane hangers and like all this crazy that. stuff. We had the cops trying to shut us down. We had TSA. We had all these things. Right. And it was so fun. And learning a lot of that still goes back to what I do now, as you were saying earlier, it's just the logistics. So, well. so when the opportunity came up from Surfline, like I didn't take it, you know, at first it was like, oh, this is really great. And it's an honor to have somebody like that looking in. Sean Collins, who started Surfline, was my parents' neighbor. AJ, his youngest son, was one of my very closest best friends for years growing up. We went to school together. We did surf trips together. We did all these things. So when the opportunity came up, it was like, oh, this kind of comes full circle in a mm -hmm. weird way. Um, and it wasn't something I applied for, right? It was something they came out to me and were like, hey, we'd love to chat about this opportunity. Um, but when the time came and I had to sit down and like ask Matt Hill and Gary Valentine and Joe, like Joe knew about it as I was going through some of the discussions. But when I finally was like, hey, I'm going to do this. I went and sat down with Gary Valentine, the the president of of all of Globe wow. and everything that they do, and Matt Hill, one of the Hill brothers, the founding brothers. And I was like, hey guys, like, hey, I have this opportunity. And they were super understanding, which was super cool. Like they really understood, like, hey, this is enough, this is a growth set for you that mm -hmm. we can't quite give you right now in your career, um, based on where we are as a company, who we have in positions and what's going on. Um and so it was awesome, but it was definitely not something I took lightly. And like the fact that they gave me so much opportunity and to be able to cut my teeth and like get thrown into the deep end, as you said, and just kind of sink or swim mm. um, and get my head above water and, and learn so much. So like I definitely took that with me as I went to Surfline. Mm. Um, yeah. Tell me about Surfline. What was some of the project? What was like biggest project that you worked on? Something that um, pops into mind, something that you're proud we did of that you did with Surfline? A few things there. So when I went to Surfline, um, at the time, again, like, I think that a lot of their content and stuff was very um, all about forecasting, forecasting and, like, and news driven and like f things of that nature. It wasn't as much like creative things. And mm. um, 
you know, Stab had some really amazing creative content that they were doing. And I think that they saw that competition and were like, hey, we have a giant audience. We should be doing more of these things also. And that was part of why I got brought in was to produce these roles um, and really sit between the brands and trying to find ways to justify for a Volcom or a Michelob Ultra or Corona or whoever it may be mm. that they should be spending the money with Surfline to do something creatively and that we'd be able to like work with their athletes and middleman that and get like, you know, some brands have great relationships with their athletes. Other ones don't, you know, yeah. some people just send a paycheck and can't really ask much of yeah, them. Yeah. Um, and so the hope was that. And, and so some of the bigger projects we did were, um, we did this really cool one that came together naturally called Shadow Company, which was um, some of the more big wave surfers like the Billy Kempers and people of that world and Nathan Florence and um, even Co Smith and that. And like they were then, you know, I think Billy had just right around that time won his first like big wave world world championship and things of that nature. But they wanted to to figure out a way to like they wanted to hunt slabs so, like we want to paddle slabs that are. 10 foot like scary most everyone else looks at it and goes i want nothing to do with that they're like it's not a big wave thing it's like i want to get crazy crazy barreled on a wave that just looks like scary Silly, right? yeah um and we did the first trip with them and it went over really well and then we kind of like this name got thrown around as shadow company just because they're always kind of in the shadows lurking and like looking at swells and then on like a moment's notice they'll fly around the world to go find this one wave and they're talking to people all over and we put that together and that actually like i think it was one of the few times that surfline have been nominated for a surfer magazine like surfer pole award wow. it didn't end up winning but it was like short series of the year or whatever that was nominated for um so it was cool to be a part of that like just something that kind of like contradicted a little bit what we were doing mm. But it also leans into the forecasting thing. You know, it's like, oh, we're helping forecast these crazy swells and okay. places all over the world. So we did that one. Um, we did a really fun project uh, that we called Road to Salvation. And it was for Michelob Ultra. Michelob was trying to like kind of get more involved in Southern California culture, surfing, skateboarding, music, things of that nature. So the original plan was funny. Um, it was going to be Cut Snake and GTA and then a bunch of surfers and skaters and we were gonna have rvs that went like up the east coast so we're gonna drive across and hit a wave pool in the middle and then come to the west coast and like basically they would do shows within like 10 miles reach of the coastline and then we'd go like set up like pop-up skate sessions and the guys would skate and we'd go to like skate parks and surf and all this um some of the timing and pieces just didn't quite lay out the way that like we had originally planned so we um restructured a little bit and we did this road trip from basically like LA all the way up to San Francisco in an RV. And we threw in a bunch of friends. It was like Andrew Jacobson, Cam Richards, Noah Schweizer, like, and then we put in like current Caples and Jake Anderson and like some of the skate crew. And then we kind of scheduled it out so we could hit a couple music festivals at the same time where Michelob was sponsoring some of that stuff. So we just did this whole video thing and it was just super fun. Um, and it got tons of traction and we ended up scoring waves in Southern California as well. Like, which was rare. <laughs> rare. It can be very rare, you know, like to the point where we like took this RV and I mean, it was unfortunate. I also got to work a part of Surfline, which was, I got to work with some of my best friends with Billy and Travis Coleman and Billy Watts and like work on that stuff. And like I had me and Billy had to jump on another <laughs> trip at the back end of that one. And I left Travis the keys and I was like, Hey, you got to return the RV and turn it back in and just say you're me. Cause you got to return it under my name. I'm the one that rented it. And after like, you know, I think anyone that spent 10 days plus in an RV with a bunch of guys just knows how total the thing gets. It was like, 
<laughs> terrible. And the way they got out of it was there was a wave storm, like soft top underneath still, like somebody had bought one at Costco somewhere on the road and just like, it was still there. And so when he went to turn it in, the guy's like, oh, this, this thing's falling off the hinges. The bed's broken over here. This is broken, like all this stuff. And he was like, what's going on with that surfboard? And Travis was like, oh, you, you, do you want it? And the guy's like, yep sweet doesn't look like the damages are here and just handed it over and we walked out like the door but yeah it was like a hundred dollar wave storm for probably a thousand dollars in damages at the rv rental place but um that. yeah that one just kind of sits with me as like a fun one that was just like we really enjoyed that trip together it was like it was just a lot of friends that got to do something mm-hmm. really cool and sometimes when you have that come together the synergy just creates this kind of like thing you want to look at and, yeah. and view and um yeah we kind of worked with some venues and things around that time there wasn't much marketing budget to market in real life a lot of these projects and so we worked with like the bungalow in huntington as they were yeah. opening and putting on like screenings and premieres and doing that stuff and there was no money for it but we kind of just back channeled it through and like made it work and so we got to like put together a tour after the tour where we did like multiple locations of putting on premieres and it was just more of an excuse for all the boys to get back together yeah. and have a couple beers and like Michelob was like sweet you want to do it there we got Michelob's there like that's yeah. perfect we'll throw a couple bucks at that too and it was like just a fun one but um I mean, those two definitely stuck with me, but we did so much stuff. We were doing, again, like projects on top of projects to try and fulfill mm. for all these different brands and different things we were doing at the time. So um, I love your story that like the way that you identified, you know what, I'm probably not going to quite get to the level in surfing that a lot of my best friends are that I'm yep. trying to chase to, but how can I still make myself relevant and get to, at the end of the day, you probably lived a far more like exciting surf career than majority of surfers especially ones maybe who were in your sort of pack on the junior series and yeah you kind of went, okay marketing use the network that i've built work for one of the brands and then i get to go on the surf trips anyway like, yeah i think yeah i i, life I, I by just design is i feel like i'm like building my life right now with what i do with the good human factory like that like all my ambassadors of my mates who are pro athletes so i go hang out with them and it's work it's yeah. like it's great yeah like i was so super lucky and you know, even in that time frame, like there was a stage where, yeah, like to so say Jack Freestone and Mitch Cruz, who are very close friends of mine that I met years and years ago when they mm. first came to the States and then they'd stay with me and just whatever, you know, they they had their management team here and they were like living in the States so much and having to do these meetings. They asked me to become basically a a co-agent of like their company that was made, like their agency that, that like was taking care of all this stuff. My agency. Yeah. 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 I didn't win any comps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it was just, again, it was like another fortunate thing that like, That's they right. kind of were just I like, Hey, that. like I'm sitting in all these meetings and unfortunately like everyone's in Australia, it'd be a last minute thing. It'd be like on a Monday, like, Hey, we want you to come down here and sit and chat about this thing. And they're like, well, I don't want to negotiate these things. I don't want to be the bad person. I don't mm-hmm. want to be the person saying yes or no to these things. Like, and they kind of brought up the idea of having me step in and help a little bit. And it was really fun to like have a crack at that too. You know, it was like a two year span where I thought to like be an agent and negotiate deals and talk on their behalf and try and find them new opportunities and do Mm. things like that. And it was just cool to be able to like help friends. You know, it wasn't something that I went into like, oh, I have to be the biggest agent or any, I didn't have these aspirations for it. It was just like a, Hey, if I can help my friends and I'm going to make a couple bucks at the same time, this is a win-win. Like, this is great. And that was at the same time as Surfline? That was overlapping with Surfline and then a little bit when I went back, like, yeah, there was definitely a couple, like, as I went back to Globe after Surfline, there was a bit of some, like, conversations around, like, is there going to be conflicts here? Like, I was also helping Eric Geiselman with his stuff and he had just signed a deal with Globe and, like, it was kind of, like, a little bit, like, hey, like, they can't be biased, like, nature to these things. And I was like, of course. Um, And that kind of fizzled out, not fizzled out, but just kind of, like, 
those guys, everyone kind of took different paths and did yeah. different things. And it just naturally was at a place where like, okay, the agent side of it is something I enjoy, but I also am not cutthroat enough. I don't think like, yeah. I'm not a person that's going to try and like, like take every penny from you just because it, it's like, sometimes you got to be that person. You got to take brands and put them against each other and do these things that I just like, mm. for me, I didn't quite feel everyone. that was yeah. the right thing for me. I was like, I want to help my friends, but not at like, the expensive yeah of what i've built for myself or my relationships with these marketing directors and people that i'm also working with mm -hmm. you know like again if i was at surfline and say billabong's like sweet we're gonna do this massive project with you and then two weeks later i'm sitting there with somebody else and like going oh no you can't pay him that you're gonna pay him this much and like creating this animosity yeah. over like dollars and cents i just felt like it was something that was it was really hard to juggle that one um but again, I was I was lucky to do it and, and to experience it and do it like say yes and make it work. Make it work, yeah. I guess the kind of you could say one of the stories of my life is just get thrown in and I figure it out so, it and just do yeah. it with confidence. So how do you do you feel quite? I want to let's go back to Globe real quickly yeah. and then because I don't want to work out how you went from Globe out of the surf industry to June Shine and man um, yeah. managing Chris Late because yeah, I, I just want to try and get into your mind a little bit on if there is this fear of failure if this lack of confidence doing something new or if it's a front of confidence oh yeah talk me a bit through your mindset when you do get thrown into this deep end do you do you have confidence in yourself or do you have some doubts because obviously the good human factor is a bit of a mental health yeah thing. i feel like you are this healthy happy guy that's got so many things going on for him but i'm sure there's been moments where you doubt yourself trying something oh, I, new. I absolutely on a regular basis have <laughs> doubts about myself and, and anxiety about things that are going on and like and like you know, even doing changes like within going to a new a new job or like, is mm. that the right move for me? Is that the right thing? Like, so yeah, I, I did Surfline for a few years. They kind of, again, kind of switched back to a different direction and they were like, hey, doing these creative projects costs a lot of money and we've got a lot of personnel here and things that were going into it. And it was, they were having the biggest sponsorship years they've ever had. But at the same time, they were like, we have this huge network of subscribers that creates a ton of revenue and takes very little, like all we gotta do is keep camera networks, continue to get better, mm. forecasting to get better. And like, we can do that. Mm. Um, so at that time we parted, parted ways and um, Joe and, and Gary Valentine offered me the job to come back as the North American marketing director at Globe. And so I went back to that and yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, I just went from, you know, like this low level marketing person at the, like handling this little thing, kind of so, growing up, doing some stuff and like getting better at what I was doing and learning a lot. And then got to go to Surfline, be the executive producer of content over there and like had this step up. And then the fact that they gave me this opportunity to come over and step into this role. And I was like, wow, this is pretty nuts. Um, and so I did that. And then not long after I was there, probably about a year after I was there, um, a guy named Frank, um, and a guy named Kevin Sanderson who both worked at Rockstar Energy. And so over the years we'd done stuff with Rockstar as sponsors on like video projects because athletes from Globe were overlapping or these things. And we worked on things together and they'd seen how it worked. And so my name came up to, um, basically come work at a brand called health aid, which was a non-alcoholic kombucha company. Um, and they'd been on the rise and they'd been taking off. And yeah. so Frank had reached out and was like, Hey, I'd love to chat. Like we were looking to like build some more of our team here and kind of, um, they'd kind of, they'd, they'd built this huge thing within yoga and health and lifestyle and female specifically. They had a huge audience for it. That was most of their customers. That was most of what they were trying to do. And Frank's goal was to try and branch out a little bit more to try and get more of a male demographic using action sports as one of those areas. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's overlap between people doing that for me. 
I was super unsure. I was like freaking out. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I've never worked in beverage. I don't know anything about it. Like, I didn't know anything. I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't even drink kombucha. Like, I was like, I don't know anything about it. He's like, let me send you a case. Just see how it does in the office and see the response to it. And I was like, all right, cool. And the case showed up at the office. I tried it and I was like, this doesn't taste bad. It's kombucha. It's a, you know, it has that flavor to it. But I watched in the office how people responded to it. Like there was women in the office that would see it and be like, oh, where'd this come from? And like, they were so excited about it. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, oh shoot, that's something that like people are actually like paying attention to this and they care about it. And like, there is an appetite for Mm. it. Um, So we chatted more and I kind of wasn't sure. I was like, we're kind of just getting our feet under us at Globe again and like going in this new direction and we're kind of getting some traction again. And he was just like kind of pretty persistent. And I was just like, at some point I was like, I can't say no to that offer. I have to give this a try. But to your point, I was, I was shitting myself. I was like, I don't know if this is the right move for me. I don't know what I'm doing. I could absolutely just tank this thing and be Mm. terrible at it. Um, and went over there and, and we had some great success. The company continued to flourish and take off. Um, I was definitely probably the odd man out at that company compared to Globe. Like, it, again, it was very like health and wellness focus. And as healthy as I am, I'm still not a person that's like, I'm not practicing yoga three times a day. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, it's it was just a different piece for me that didn't quite fit, but I had a lot of fun trying to learn the dynamics and like office culture and how to fit into that culture and like be able to have a conversation with someone who's going hey like we're already having all this success here i'm like yeah but that's max like you've already maxed out that audience and that culture and that piece you need to continue to grow that Mm. and so we did and we had again it it had some great great success and and a few years there um coca-cola ended up purchasing it and so like as they purchased it part of the discussion was just that like hey, we have our internal teams. We don't need this like massive, basically we maxed out our facilities. We had oversold the amount of product that we could possibly deliver from the factory that we had internally. And they needed to raise funds to be able to make a new factory to build because they couldn't actually like deliver enough product. Wow. And so at that time, like why you don't, and like, it was like a handshake, like, hey, like marketing was awesome. You guys crushed it so well. Like, but we don't need it anymore until we get a new factory because we can't really substantiate any more growth. Like we need wow. more factory space before we can do anything. Um, so yeah, I got, got let go there, like out of like on a Monday, like everything's crushing, it's going. And then it's like, oh, actually we're gonna have redundant to part ways. Or... Yeah, it, well, no, not even redundant. It was just that like, they got rid of everyone on senior marketing like that. Wow. They're like Coca-Cola, they're doing this deal. And, and I get it, like you're paying people yeah. well with bonuses and all these different things. And it was like, well, we can't have you actually market. Like, we don't want to give you money because we don't want to spend anymore because we don't want any new customers right now because we can't actually give them new product. So it was like a weird, you know, double-edged sword. Um, so you got let go. Got let go. Um, How's that part of your life? You again, feel- very, very questioning scary. everything. Yeah. So scared. I was like sitting around, like not not knowing what I was going like to do. six years ago, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming, right coming up. Yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly. So when you were doing health, I was it just health? I was that. It was just health. So that was. I like was in the office time, nine to five. It was like the first time, like we starting to probably making better money than you've ever made, but we kind of like exactly I'm not traveling. Exactly. Shit that I it was like day. you're in the office. Like I live in Manhattan Beach, and I would drive to Redondo, which is you know 15 minute drive, 20 minute drive. So it wasn't a long drive to the office, um, but I was in the office every day above the factory in a cubicle, like just 
you know, more traditional, like doing really cool things, like putting together projects and things that were still really cool and passionate, but it wasn't like, I wasn't out in the field doing things. Mm. Um, Where Globe was a bit of a balance of that. It was like, hey, like as I became the marketing director and went back, it was more office time, but still a bit of a balancing act for both of them. Um, And to be honest, it kind of ate my soul a little bit. I was like, I'm not the person that like, I totally understand needing to have office time. I understand having those conversations and the interactions in the office that are a lot of times flourish into big things. but sitting there nine to five and being that required piece, like it felt like I was not using myself to full potential. And um, yeah, and like you, you just meet so many people as you're out and about doing things that well, go so far. Is networking, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then I've been lucky to be able to do those things again. And um, but yeah, yeah I got I got let go, go and I was there? you had a bit of money saved. You weren't. I had a bit of money. They gave they did a good severance package because again, it wasn't like work yeah. related. It wasn't like any of us were like not doing not our really, jobs. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, hey, unfortunately, this is what we're doing. Um. And so, yeah, had that and I was just kind of at a loss. I wasn't sure the surf industry had been going through some really weird times. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go back to that space. Like, it just doesn't feel right. And the only two brands that kind of stuck out to me that seemed like places I would maybe want to go based on like work culture and what the brands were on their way to doing was Red Bull and Vans. And so I reached out to the contacts that I had at those companies ended up going through the process. Red Bull has a very lengthy interview process, like crazy lengthy. Um, so started that process with them. Vans, the only things they really had available at the time didn't quite fit. And I went and met with them, sat down in the office, talked to some of the, like their their leadership team and stuff. And they were like, hey, we'd love to keep this conversation going. But right now we just don't have a thing that necessarily fits right. And I was like, yeah. fair enough. Um, and funny enough, I, yeah, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Brett Fisher, who's been a friend for years that I met just outside of all of the music and everything outside of my relationship with Fish or anyone else was, um, I think we had dinner like maybe a week or two after I had gotten let go, just as friends, like just catching yeah, up about so whatever. Um, Brett just through I met Brett. Was... No, I met Brett originally through Corey Wilson and Miles. Okay. Um, no. Years ago at Coachella, we were out at weekend two and he came by the house and we were just all hanging out. I got introduced to him, became friends and you know, kept in contact, yeah. would run into each other wherever, just again, big mutual friend circles. Yeah. And we just kept in contact. And um, yeah, I think we caught up for dinner or beer or something. And he was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, man, I really don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm just kind of like starting this interview process with Red Bull. They've got a couple of positions, but I don't know, like, if that's necessarily where I'm going to fit or what's going to go on. Like the surf industry, again, is just in a weird place. I don't think I want to go back into a brand that's like very, you know, stuck in that way. Um and funny enough, and then like a few days later, he rang me up and was like, hey, is there any chance you'd want to go on the road with Chris this weekend? And Chris and I had met in passing, again, through through Fish or just through Brett or whatever, but never really like had long conversations or, you know, know yeah. Um, and, and Chris just had some situation. And he basically had like two shows up in Northern California. And Brett was like, hey, would you want to go on the road with him this weekend? I'm going to set the scene real quick. So Brett Fisher is... Not sorry, yeah, yeah, Fisher, yeah, sorry, but yeah, he's yeah. Fisher and Chris Lake's uh, music manager, yeah, big time music manager, and yeah, so yeah, they've asked Brett, you. Brett oversees basically anything day to day, their whole life, like the yeah. structure of where their careers yeah, yeah. go and all the different yeah. things that that come their way as 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 they've grown into these amazing artists and yeah. and people and and yeah. celebrities very much. Um, so he goes, "Hey, do you want to go on the road with him?" He was weekend? like, "Hey, do you want to go on the road with Chris this weekend?" And I was like yes, but I don't know anything about music. Like I barely know how to plug in a USB. Like, and I was very upfront. Like at that point I felt confident enough in myself to be like, and my relationship with Brad. And I was like, the last thing I want to do is go on the road with somebody like Chris 
and fail for him or for Brad or for anyone else. Like, yeah, yeah. Chris was like still a massive performing artist. He was headlining the show, you know, playing. I remember specifically it was like Walker and Royce and Claptone and Claptone wears a mask with like the whole thing. And I was up there trying to like, we got there, whatever. So, but I was like, yeah, I'll go on the road with him. Like, I would love to try it out. Um, And so I went with him and Chris and I got an opportunity to chat and hang out a little bit when we did those shows and just got on really well. Like it was just like a natural conversation. Like, you know, I don't think he knew what to expect. I didn't know what to expect more than like Brett vouched for me, Fish vouched for me and was like, cool. Yeah, sweet. Go on the road Mm -hmm. with him. It's a big Um, deal at tour manager. You're like, you're, yeah, Chris is basically not PA, but like. Yeah, it's a little bit, especially at that time, like the team was much smaller. Like the project was smaller than what it's grown to now and how big it's gotten now. Um, And so, yeah, I was like, cool, sweet. And I told Brett, I'm like, hey, and he's like, hey. Chris knows how to make music and play music. He needs some help with some of the logistics stuff to make sure that like he can get from A to B and he doesn't have to stress on it or like deal with, you know, all the different people you often have to deal with to get from A to B from going from airport to hotel, hotel to venue, food, like all the things that happen really quickly and all the different stuff. And sometimes those people are really on top of it and really delightful. And sometimes they're not. And sometimes they just... Uh, you know, taking like, you know, might be a young promoter that's having a little bit too much fun at his own party or any number of things that it can be. Um, So we did the, those two shows. The first one, funny enough, I had told like, again, I was very upfront about like, Hey, I just don't really know what I'm doing here. Um, And he was like, don't worry about it. Just like, just keep your head down. It'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, And sure enough, he was like, Hey, here's a USB, go plug it in, play this song on this blah, 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 blah. blah." And I was like, I'm probably going to mess this up. He's like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And I was like, all right. And I walk out there and there's 10,000 people. Clapton's still finishing his set. He's got his mask on. I'm sitting there like trying to like not be seen. There's 10,000 people in the crowd staring at me. I'm absolutely shitting myself, like sweating bullets. And I'm just like fiddling around, like trying to do this thing. Not really sure what I'm doing, trying to find this file, like within the USB, this whole thing. And Chris finally comes up and taps me. And he's like, he's like, I got it. I got it. And I was like, Oh my God, I just fucked up. Like he's never like, I just, I just, I knew this was going to happen. Like, what did I do? What did I do? And he was just like, and he's, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's like, man, I mess up all the time and no one even knows it. And he was like, I just kind of wanted to see if you would give it a go. go. And I was like, I'll give it a go, but I'm going to be upfront with you that I might screw it up also. And I think he took that a little bit like, oh, okay. Like you'll man up and give this a shot. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So, um, a few weeks later, Chris texted me and was like, hey, would you want to come on the road? We're going to do a proper tour this weekend. I think it was like four shows in three days or four shows in four days or something like that. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, And so, yeah, I just I did that. And that kind of snowballed one thing into the next. And now we're, you know, somewhere over five years working together. And it's become, you know, you spend so much time on the road together with something like that. It kind of feels like a partnership in a weird, like Mm. different way, you know, like you spend hours on plane flights and car rides and hotel rooms and chatting about things but back then yeah i was booking all the travel all the cars like all the hotels like everything i kind of just fell into that and was doing all that with chris and and working it out while also applying to these different positions and stuff and trying to figure out like you know long term i just didn't assume that i didn't think that chris would want me to be there long term kind of i was like hey like i didn't have the confidence to know that like this is something i know nothing about and there's so many people that would like kill for that position with him or with any of these well that's why i love this your story because i'm sure there's so many young kids out there maybe kind of similar to the surfing with you who are like you know what i'm not that musical i'm probably not going to be a dj but i'd love to be around this scene yeah tour manager is a way to get there but 
how do you become a tour manager? It's kind of a, it's not really apply for a job. You need to have these really unique skills, which are logistics and like networking and like being able to communicate with people effectively. Like, and I think that the networking thing is the biggest thing again, Mm. like everything that have kind of fallen into place for me. So whether it was like, you know, the surfing thing, I was kind of conscious of like, I want to work in this industry and do this. And, but even, you know, after surfing and going back to Globe, like that was a relationship that I mm. still kind of held on to with some of the people there. And then the health aid thing was fully just based on a relationship with people that I knew that were mm. friends and that respected, you know, the things that I'd worked on or products that I've seen or they've focused or seen those things. And then this one in particular was just truly about like Brett had been a friend and seen those things and been, a, you know, from the outside, a part of the surf industry and like things that he noticed and been Same a part of and seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And well. so he had that understanding and it, it was just, again, the network thing is more than anything. Like that's when people ask like, Oh, how'd you get into this? And I was like, to be honest, it, it, it's something that sort of fell into my lap, but it was because of the relationship I had with these guys. And it wasn't that I went into it thinking that I, these are long-term relationships I'm mm. trying to build because they're going to like prosper into work. It's it was just good, good people just... being around good people. Yeah. It's good humans hanging out with good humans and like, and just being kind and yeah. like, look, you know, trying your best to help people where you can. And exactly. like, that's what you've always been it's... so good. Like you come and like, yeah. say you and your mom came and stayed at our place for like a couple of weeks. Yep. Nice, a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, it's just about going out of your way to help people where you can. Yeah. And then it comes back around and you're like the perp, you know, obviously I... working hard and making sure that it goes so far when yeah. you have good people around that you can chat with and like, you get to know and then that that comes back around full circle because it's just like if there's an opportunity to help someone help them yeah and i don't know i've just always tried to do that like if i have even small things if it's come sleep in my house sleep on my couch if it's hey you need a ride from the airport or whatever it is it's just like sweet if i have got a car and i've got the time like i'll do it yeah. like whatever exactly um but yeah that. yeah so that was that was kind of how it all fell into place and then um that snowballed into five years later and as chris and i started working together he he didn't really know much of my background he just again was like oh Brett says you're a good person for it. I enjoyed having this weekend with you. Like, let's let's go from there. And then um, found out a bit more about like what I had done in the background. And and again, I think one of the things for me was like not being afraid of taking a step down from a, hey, I'm the marketing director of this company to being like, oh, I'm a tour manager, which in its own right is still super respectful, but it's like but respectable. But it's like, yeah, like, yeah, like not like the one making all the decisions and things like that of that nature. Um, I was just like, hey, like I, for me, I was like, I, I don't, even deserve this spot like i'm just a person that got an opportunity through friends and i know nothing about music so the fact that i'm even here it's still five steps ahead of like anything i ever thought i'd do in Mm. music um and then yeah we've been working together for five years and it's awesome um you know we we just get along well we've got a good structure to how we do things how we travel together um you know we're friends but we don't spend like every waking moment together. You know, mm. some tour managers or somebody's like best friend that just kind of was around and then also fell into yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but we just, yeah, we get on well and and it works well. And it's, it's such an honor to be a part of like seeing the project go from like even what it was then to like the magnitude of what it is now. And, Crazy, you know, yeah. the partnership between him and Fish and just the Aida team and what chris and brett and fish and what they've committed to and like financially their time their heart that goes into like the team they built is crazy like it's a it is a little family like on the road you know like big family yeah it's it's pretty big now i guess it's it's gotten bigger now but it used to be just coming on the road like in europe this year being like around like cody and cheyenne and like all of the team there's just so many people who are behind the scenes making like this 
Fisher and Chris Lake show yep. that need to be like a well well oiled machine and it is. But the best thing is like everyone has a good time doing it. Yeah. I haven't really ever seen any like anger or animosity if someone stuffs up it's like oh no you're obviously trying your best if something goes wrong sweet we'll adjust yeah what's been something that's um what's a show that stands out to you being obviously someone who i mean we just did that hollywood show and that was tell me about that that was wild from, like a, closing, behind scenes, from a behind yeah. the scenes perspective and like the the amount of work that went into just getting it to to, to just even happening like yeah. before it even took place, like uh, seeing let's talk like, about what it is for someone who's got no idea what we're talking about. The Hollywood show. Yeah. So you guys shut did. down for the first time ever Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. It's now whatever December, but it was like middle of October. They Chris and fish and the whole team and, and Brad and Cody in particular and Kobe who owns framework, they worked their ass off to be able to close down a, like Hollywood Boulevard, which is the most like iconic street in yeah, in the United States, basically outside of like maybe Times Square, a few other places, like it's one of the most you literally have people like, you know, the most famous movie stars and people stars going down the side and they were able to close off a city block to be able to put on a show for 12,000 people on a Saturday night in October. And it's like crazy that that happened. And it felt so crazy looking at it because it wasn't like. It was so much fun, but just seeing people going from side to side all the way up into like the storefronts and the stores being closed and like just the amount of steps that went into everything from getting permits done to having to work with the, the businesses that had to close on a Saturday night for like could be doing a lot of business and like they have to close and then working with the fire marshals and the police department and all the things that go into that and the amount of money that has to go into that and then hoping to recoup that on sales and just it just felt like it was one of those ones that everyone and like you said in the team, everyone was working overtime to do their part in each of these different areas to make sure this was the show that like mattered. And it was it, as soon as everyone got there and saw it, I think everyone was just like, "Holy shit, this is why we've been busting our ass," you know. And it got to that place, and it was just like the experience of seeing it was one that was like so massive, like Coachella. And being a part of that one was kind of emotional because it was like, oh, wow, this is Coachella, right? It's like that, like you kind of think of Coachella as the top tier in this past year, Chris and Fish headlined and closed the outdoor stage on Sunday. So they're basically closing that stage down for the whole weekend after three days of shows and, you know, breaking records with the amount of people in the crowd at that specific stage and all these amazing things, um, I think was pretty emotional for the team. But then the Hollywood one was something that like, as far as I know, no other artist has ever done ever mm. like in the history of Hollywood Boulevard like there's closures for you know movie premieres and things like that but like a musical artist doing that was nuts and and to be a part of that and to see it and take it in and just be like wow this is this is absolutely crazy and the photos like again 12,000 people is a lot of people but when you look at it in the scope of like a major festival and mm. you know Chris and Fish each play these festivals for 40, 50, 60, 80,000 people sometimes so it's like the size and scope of it, it was just so different to see it in like this one street that was so iconic and you have so many things going around you in Hollywood. Like there's literally street closures all over the place to be able to close this one block off, right? And it's just like not, it's not a festival that's been done before. It's not a venue that's been done before. It's not a music, like it just, Did it, it was nuts. It was nuts. <laughs> so it cool. was so nuts. I'm, yeah. I'm so bummed I didn't get to get over there, but it was, um, Yep. Yeah, it looked unbelievable. I, actually, I FaceTimed you. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was with my sister, <laughs> yep. Chloe, sitting like right around the, like yeah. 10 meters away from where we're sitting right now. Yeah. And we FaceTimed you. I was just like, far out. That looked insane. It was nuts, yeah. And yeah, like I just figured like knowing Fish and everyone, I was like, like Chloe, 
I figured like, hey, it'd be great to be able to call you guys and be able to have a moment yeah. to at least get able to see it from like our oh, perspective and stuff. So, so yeah, that so was good. that was absolutely crazy to be able to be a part of that one and and do that because I don't know if it'll ever ever happen again um, in that space like that. Times so. Square next. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would love to be a part of something like I that. Bet you you know? probably thought you'd never get Hollywood Boulevard. So oh, I just, knows? you know, so many things, you know, like it was it, in not? the steps of over the years, I've been a part of these things and seeing it go. And I think there's often it's like, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't mm. believe that that happened. I can't believe, wow, we did that. Like, oh, wow. And not only does it happen, it's like the response from the fans and the crowd is so amazing that that's what builds onto the next one. Right. Mm. It's like they put the, the team does a lot, but then what Chris and Fish and like how they have this momentum and feeling and energy during an under construction show it's like a family reunion like you mm. were saying like for us it's a family reunion because it's like we don't all get to see each other that frequently but when you do that energy i feel like just exudes out to everyone and mm. then they just like they bust their ass to make sure they're putting on the very best show with the best music that could possibly happen and like the crowd seems to respond to that and it's just great um you know and of course the the guys both in their own right are working every day and traveling nonstop and putting on shows and building their audiences and their fan base like across the world on a regular basis and then when they come back together it just kind of like the synergy comes in and it's, oh, it's so, so cool. wild it's so wild man it's been a great chat i want to talk to you about one last thing real quickly because yep. not only tour managing which is a full-time job for most tour managers you also have a full-time job working for a company june shine yep. tell me a bit about june shine and just how you manage to have like you full time with them and just be able to how do you like get them to sign off that you can work on the road and travel the world full time and still get the work done so back to the red bull thing yeah. i was doing interviews at red bull and actually got offered a position one to move to miami and like run their athlete program and the way red bull works is like all athletes right so whether it's soccer surfing anything yeah. and i was like that doesn't quite fit i don't really want to move to miami like flew over there did interviews actually put a weekend and then had another there was another conversation about moving to San Francisco and running like Northern California and then one in Southern California. And at the same time I was tour managing with Chris. Um, basically there was a girl named Gwen and Forrest. Forrest is the co-founder and CMO um, at Juneshine. And Forrest used to be a filmer for Albie Lair and Matt Miola and she's from Maui. Um, and so we'd work together. I used to pay him. Like I'd be like, hey, like I'd hit up Albie and be like, hey, we need stuff for this XL project at Surfline. And he'd be like, oh, hit up Forrest, talk to Forrest. And so like we had some interactions. Forrest had friends of mine and they were close with friends of his. And um, Gwen was a friend and she kind of like put her neck on and was like, hey, I think Eric would be great for this position. We chatted through things. The opportunity came up. Um, they kind of had two roles that they were going to combine together to make this larger role. And bottom line was I got brought on like they were doing really well in San Diego. The company was still young and small and they were like, hey, we're doing really well in San Diego but we want to start Orange County in LA. Like, can you help us basically do that? And like, you already knew kombucha right? from I knew Alpha kombucha. I knew kombucha, kombucha. But again, oh, sorry, to clarify, Juneshine is hard kombucha. So yeah, like at the time, 6% alcohol kombucha, but with all the same benefits, probiotics, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tons of flavors, the way it's fermented, still the same processing, basically, yeah. but it creates a higher alcohol content. Um, and the idea was great. And it came from an action sports background. So it had this different outlook than a lot of alcohol brands did, all this stuff. But... Basically, at the time, I was like, hey, guys, like this is a great opportunity. I'd love to work with you guys. But financially, this isn't quite enough for me to live off of. Like I would go on from the health aid deal, like I said, that was nine to five and was making great benefits, money. Yeah. And I had benefits and everything. And they're like, hey, like this, had, the Juneshine thing had benefits, but um, just didn't quite have enough in there to live in L.A. and be like, hey, I can survive off of this. I was like, but I've got this other thing going with Chris. Um, 
are you cool if they go hand in hand? And they were like, bottom line is if the things that we need to get done and like we set out goals and you hit those goals, we don't care what you do. And it's a young company, you know, Forrest is 30 years old. Greg, his, who's a CEO is 30 years old. Like it's like they're, they're younger than I am, you know? So it was like, they weren't looking at it in a traditional manner of like somebody who's a bit older that's been like, oh no, you need to be nine to five in an office and all that stuff. And they never wanted me in the office really. They saw the benefit in what I could do outside of the office and building. And like, if the office is in San Diego and you want me to build a company in Orange County in LA, the last thing I should be doing is sitting in an office in San Diego. And so they were like, again, they're like, here's their budgets, here's your goals. This is what we need to sell. This is how we need to do things. Have at it. And alcohol and music obviously go hand in hand, venues, festivals, all this stuff. And it's just been this very like, I'm always delicate with both. And I always am weary of like, I don't want to sign on to anything with Chris that I can't do 100%. And I don't want to sign on to things with Juneshine that I can't do 100%. So every time there's like an opportunity to take on a larger role or conversations like that, we have a very open and honest conversation about like, hey, financially, this is where I am. Here's what I'm able to do. Here's what I'm doing here. Like, how does this make sense? And what mm-hmm. am I going to have to give to have the hours in the day to do both? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like I could say yes to everything and everyone be like, yeah, sweet. As long as the end goal gets done. Yeah. With that said, I probably have an anxiety attack every, I don't know, not a full actual anxiety attack, but I have a bit of like a mental breakdown about just how intense things get every once in a while and think about like, okay, I have to cut back here. I got to do this or like have these moments. And um, Zoe, my girlfriend's so great about like, just take a breath. Let's talk through it in six hours after you just stop, just turn your laptop off, turn your phone off, hang out for a minute. And then let's have a conversation about how you really feel about it. And like, she'll kind of like step me back. Cause it's just, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, oh, Junchai needs this and oh, we're going to be gone for two weeks. Like, I don't know how to like, da, da, da. and then like, it just, it, I, I just find the time to balance it all. And um, again, I'm just super lucky to have Chris trusting me and Brett and the whole team. And then Junchai being like, hey, we've seen the success we've done together. And not only that, they want to continue to grow things and doing more and more. So um, it, it, it just, it works. But I always have to evaluate all of it. No, um, I think it's such a great it's, balancing act that you're doing. And it's so cool that you can um, cross stuff over. I actually got to thank you. You'll remember this, buddy. Um, when I went to Rufus, how we ended up, like, I actually told that Rufus story on um, on my short form podcast, like mm-hmm. a few weeks back from when this episode comes out. But I told that story and you were the friend that got us up to the VIP, which is how now I know Rufus and yeah. I like, get to go to all the Rufus shows in Australia because yeah. just ran. I didn't even know you were going to be there. We were just yep. like dancing in the crowd. And then you were just like next to us with your mom. And I was yeah. like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. Funny. Yeah, we did a little, we did a partnership with Rufus for those uh three nights they did yeah. at the bank of California when they sold it out for three nights. And we had like a VIP area in June trying available. Cause we were again, trying to sell as much product as we can. And those guys had reached out and they're like, Hey, this is a product that we love and, and we wanted to have it involved in the show. So yeah, it was, it was fun. But yeah, I mean, again, I'm just all the way around super lucky. It's more often than not, I'll, I'll be up at weird hours doing meetings or calls if we're on the road and things like that, mm. that just have to happen, but yeah. you make it work where you have to make it work. And I think at the end, it's just like, I think the, we keep saying, or I keep saying it, but like get thrown in the deep end and you just kind of figure it out. Yeah, yeah no, um, I think it's such a great story, man. I appreciate you sharing it. It's so nice to learn your kind of journey and where you've come from. But I think it's such a inspiring one for people out there who are a bit lost of where they want to go or how to maybe get into tour managing or how to get into marketing. I think your story just comes back to being a good human. Be friendly to people, help people out where you can, be a sponge, willing to learn and be willing to take a step backwards if it can 
springboard you forward in a different direction. Like yeah. you never know where you're going to go if you have to take a little step back, but build skills. And hey, look now, I'm bloody tour managing <laughs> one of the biggest musicians in the world just because I've, yeah, been open to, yeah, meeting new people and building a relationship with people. Yeah, I think that's it. Again, like I think that the, the relationships that go so far and, and it's a lot of these opportunities or things I've done or even when I'm the success I've had at companies is the relationships that I have with people that I can reach out to and be like, hey, would you... Whether it's somebody who has a huge audience and it's like, hey, would you post about this thing? Or, hey, would like you want to be involved in this thing? Or, hey, I only have a smaller budget for this one. Like when you have relationships with people, they're so much more willing to help and be a part yeah. of those things with you and go along with that process than if you're just like some random, some guy, random like, hey, person. You yeah. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, I don't really care. It's, you know, but when it's a friend, you want to help each other out, absolutely. you know, and, and I think that the relationship stuff and I've just been super fortunate, like, again, I never really go into a relationship looking for like, oh, this person does this or that. It's oh, just like wow. you meet people and if they're good people and they treat you well, then like you should do the same and, and try and help out where you can. And like, mm. um, yeah, I've just been super lucky with that. And I think that's opened so many doors. And like you said, just I try and be very honest about my skill set, but then happy to jump in if someone still feels that like it's the right thing. Like yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to learn and, and, and try and be as humble about that as possible and not just like get caught up in like, well, I did this or I've done this. Mm. It's like, no, just try and learn because, again, I often, more often than not, feel out of my comfort zone and then and then kind of try and learn from it the most I can. And, and again, I think that's the other thing is just, like, continue to learn yeah, and take things in and, and monitor things around you where you can learn from them and, and how to do better at whatever you're doing, work, life, relationships, mm. all of it. Right. I love it. This has been an amazing chat. I do finish all of my podcasts with the same question, and I'm sure you probably haven't listened to one of them, so you're not going to know what's coming at you right now. <laughs> so what does being a good human mean to Eric Tomlinson? Oh, I think it's just treating people well and, and going out of your way to help people when you can. Right. I think that's probably what being a good human means to me. No, very well put. Well, I'll leave in the show notes for anyone who wants to find your social media and learn a little bit more about your life. But you are a pretty underground guy now and just sort of do your thing and have all little things going on everywhere, which has been, um, yeah, amazing to watch. And, mate, it's been amazing to catch up while you're here in Australia. I, I said to you yesterday, you've been staying at my sister's house next door to me where I live in her other house next door. <laughs> And I've just been so fucking busy this week. So I felt really bad that we hadn't really got to spend much time together. But as you know, I know how busy your life is. Yeah. And I'm sure you're probably proud looking at what I've... <laughs> 100%. Pardon me. What I've done after the surf career too. And it's great that we get to maintain the friendship. And it seems like both of us almost post-surf are more so flourishing in the happier, well, maybe not happier, but a healthy, <laughs> good place in the in our life. So, man, thanks for jumping on. Having a chat no, thanks humans. so much for having me on and doing it i mean it's so fun to be able to sit down and do this chat properly so yeah. it's cool right. you legend thanks apes botox cosmetic out of botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information including boxed warning visit botoxcosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300 remember to ask for botox cosmetic by name to see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.